everybody. Welcome to yet another Psalm session. This is an exciting Psalm Psalm session. Psalm session. I'm crushing it already. Uh, hey, it's me, Miles, and uh, joining me over there on the super cool snowball microphone. Uh, hey, it's me, Brent, here too. So, Brent, this is exciting because we, uh, at the time of recording this, we are at one year of doing psalm sessions a year to the day a year to the day uh pretty much yeah yeah it all started with uh, our good buddy ty howie and uh you know throughout the year i mean we've met some really cool people throughout the year right like yeah we we really have it and 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 uh some cool conversations we have learned a ton and you know it's um I, i'm not uh, ashamed to say some of the conversations we've had have really um opened my mind up to some different and new stuff that I, you know, maybe typically would not have listened to. Yeah. Yeah. So over the past year, what's, what is something that stands out for you? Who's somebody that really, that was like your, this is a cool moment. Oh man. There's a, there's a lot of those moments to be honest. Um, really quick, uh, top three to date in no yeah. particular order. I would say, um, uh, Johnny from Honeymoon Suite. I, I think mm -hmm. he was a sweetheart of a guy. Um, and, you know, I, lo I love their music and have forever. Um, I would say um, John Angus, because I loved the story about him playing uh, the drums with uh, his his uh, little guy. Yeah. And my third one would be probably Ian Thomas, because Painted Ladies mm. has been on my playlist for ever. I'm surprised Sass Jordan wishing you a happy birthday didn't uh, didn't make the cut. There. Special mention to Sass Jordan who <laughs> screamed happy birthday. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know what? For me, uh, and and I think actually it, it just went live. Uh, Safwan Javed from Widemouth Mason was was one of my favorites to do. Uh, we had a lot of time uh, to chat with him kind of before we actually started recording, and um, you know, all around great guy. I I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Um, Rob Proust, uh, from the spoons. And I, you know, I, he listens. So <laughs> Rob, you're in my top three, buddy. Um, oh, we love Rob know, for sure. That was fun. Absolutely. And Rob and I, uh, it turns out we have so much in common with the types of music that we like. And, uh, after the show, we were actually sending some tunes back and forth to each other. That was, it was actually pretty cool. Uh, Sheesh. I don't know. I mean, I do, I have to like, I just have to say John Oates because it was yeah. John friggin Oates. Yeah. Like, and I love his new album. I think it is absolutely great. Um, but yeah, we've had so many good ones. Kim Mitchell was a great time. Biff naked, uh, Kelsey Maine, you know, and hearing about Kelsey doing like her own video editing and color correction and all of this was, that was, yeah, it's been a great year. Yeah, it's been a great year. Yeah, hard hard to believe. Actually, twelve months has gone by so quickly. Well, I mean, six of them we've you know been locked inside. But well, you know what? And and I was just going to say, you know what I miss the most though is is is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, man. I'm gl I'm glad you said that. Uh, I I've I've missed <laughs> it too because I can tell you my um, guitar chops have uh, you know fallen to even greater depths of uh, poor playing not that they ever got anywhere to start but um, well yeah, yeah I, I, I miss that i do i do miss those those were fun little uh little lessons even remember uh 
you know, doing the old record scratching with Dr. Disc. Yes, so. that's right. Well, so could you imagine like if things were still going, you, you could have had lessons from Kim Mitchell and Ian Thomas yeah. and, yeah, I mean, and John Oates. Let's well, be honest, John wouldn't uh, have come to Canada, but you know. No, but hey, I, I'd be on tour now really is, is the truth. It's probably yeah. true. It's probably true. Uh, you know, speaking of <laughs> tours, uh, we, we've got a really cool guest joining us today. And this is a man who's actually toured the world. Um, like, I don't know if there's anywhere he hasn't been and he is, uh, well, I'll say a hometown boy, uh, right here, uh, in, well, from Hamilton. So, you know, why don't we, uh, why don't we jump on over here and, and get our guest on the line? All right. So joining us on the phone right now uh, is a guest that uh, I know Brent and I are, are both personally very excited about. This is actually a longtime friend of the Sound of Music Festival as well. Uh, we have three-time Juno Award winner. You might know him from, oh, I mean, this this list could be huge, but uh, some of the most notable here, Junkhouse, Florida Razors, Lee Harvey Osmond, Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. Of course, we are talking today to Hamilton, born and raised, Mr. Tom Wilson. Tom, how are you? Good guy. How you doing yourself? Doing all right. Doing all right. Staying alive in Good. this uh, crazy apocalypse. We're we're pressing on. We're pressing on. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Tom? Actually, uh, we Brent and I we didn't realize this up until we started recording. Uh, we were just kind of doing our intro when we realized you are our one year anniversary podcast. So, oh my God! Do I win something? Yeah, you win the right to be on our podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay, well, I, I, you know what? That's that's pretty good. I was hoping for a car. Oh, or, okay. Uh, even a, di- a dishwasher would be great, you know. But you know what? It's not the Price is Right. Yes. So let's just... that's it. Now, Tom, I uh, this this is a kind of a segue into my first question for you, and this is actually a story that I don't know if you'll even remember this because I, I'm sure in the moment for you this was like a non-entity moment, but I loved it so. We had uh, we had Mr. Wilson here playing the 2019 festival, uh, opening for him. And when I say opening for him, I mean about five acts earlier in the day was our YMCA Battle of the Bands winners, Obi. Uh, these okay. young people are amazing musicians. They're up and comers and uh, they're young. And at one point they're standing backstage and Tom Wilson is standing there. And the lead singer from Obi, I think, is about 15 years old. And she looks at Tom and she goes... Are you a performer too? And Tom <laughs> looks down at her and smiles and goes, "Yes, yes, I am." And with all the pride in the world, she looks at him and she goes, "We're on next." <laughs> and it was this great, amazing, pure, genuine moment when, and I'm just smiling, going, "You're talking to Tom Wilson." <laughs> uh, but yeah, are you a performer too? And it was, it was just this very casual friendly musician to musician smile that you gave her that it was it was just such a great moment and uh <laughs> i yeah i truly it 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 like stuck with me and and again it's my segue into this question because what i've heard about you a now is this true that you are a self-taught musician oh god yeah yeah, yeah I, and and I'm you, not, you started I'm writing by age 12 Right, uh, twelve, thirteen. Yeah, that's right. Uh, right after I stole my first guitar, honestly, God. <laughs> so there's there's the story that I'm looking for. So that's it. What, okay. what was this early journey like for you? Like, how did you become a songwriter at twelve and a self taught musician? Um, uh, it was. Uh, oh, I wanted to be. Uh, I'll just. I'll, I'll make. I'll try and answer your question without uh, my ADD taking over <laughs> and telling you another story by mistake. I, I never really wanted to do anything else in my life. Um, I knew I wanted to be a communicator. 
uh, or uh, an artist or a musician. I didn't know what that meant at four years old, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I had to figure out how to do that. And as time went on, uh, the desire burned in me throughout my, my very young life. Uh, and around 12 years old, uh, all I wanted was a guitar. And uh, Bunny and George Wilson, you know, uh, they didn't have any money. Um, and so I had to figure out how to get a guitar in my hands. But up until that point, like through uh, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, so let's just say, you know, two and a half years, let's say, I walked around kind of strumming a guitar, playing air guitar, uh, you know, uh, throughout my, throughout that period. And uh, then I opened up the Hamilton Spectator and Waddington's Music had this uh, guitar lesson offer, the Chet Atkins guitar method, where uh, if you signed up for, um, for the lessons, they gave you a guitar to take home to practice on. And I thought, wow, bingo, this is how I'm going to get myself a guitar. <laughs> so uh, I went down the street to uh, Jimmy Barlow, who was fixing uh, a, a neighbor's car. He was about uh, 18 years old. I was 12. And I said to him, listen, I got to borrow your ID. I'm going to Russell's Variety to buy a pack of smokes. So he gave me his ID. And instead of going to Russell's Variety, I got on the Upper Sherman bus and went downtown to Hamilton. Uh, went into Waddington's uh, and signed up with a fake ID <laughs> and they took me upstairs <laughs> and they showed me this film, you know, like, I, I don't mean like, I'm not saying video, I'm saying film, like a, like a 35 millimeter film on a screen, uh, like old days, like ancient days. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh, Chet Atkins talking about playing the guitar. And at the time, I didn't even know who the hell Chet Atkins was, you know, but I was watching that waiting for the guitar in the darkness in Waddington's upstairs. And finally they said, okay, now we're going to give you guys your take home practice guitars and we'll see you back here next Friday. Which <laughs> they never saw, they never did see me back. And I took the guitar and got on the bus, uh, the upper Sherman bus and went back home. And that's how I got my first guitar. Now this story, I told I was uh, inducting Neil Young into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. And I told this story uh, referring to how his music had changed my life and had driven me to go and steal this guitar. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, and I told the whole story about taking the HSR bus downtown. And after, at the after party uh, for the awards, he asked to see me. And I went over to meet him and he was with his girlfriend daryl hannah which is like i've been waiting you know 50 at that point 58 years to meet neil young and when i go to meet him he's standing with a mermaid you know what i mean so it was <laughs> yes like a, yes i was like neil young almost didn't exist to me it was just like daryl hannah oh my god i've been thinking about you since 1983 <laughs> and uh, uh and and he said to me go and he said tom he said thank you so much for that reading and inducting me being a part of the show he goes well, wait a minute he says you mean to say you stole a guitar on public public transit <laughs> which is like that that's that's what blew his mind about the whole thing so um I went home and I, I, I tried to play the guitar. It was a horrible guitar. My, my fingers bled. And I tried to learn, in fact, Neil Young songs. I tried to learn Tell Me Why off of the first song off of After the Gold Rush. 
And I, of course, neighborhood kids were playing guitars and there's bands in the neighborhood. And I went over to one of their houses and I, uh, I tried to play, tell me why, you know, for them. And they said, that's not how it goes. You don't know how to play that song. It goes like this. And then it goes like that. What's wrong with you? And I was like frustrated and annoyed with these guys. So I figured, you know what? I'm not going to learn any more songs. I'm going to write my own. And I was 12 years old. And I figured that wow. way, if I write my own songs, I can play them whatever way I want. And I'm 61 years old and I'm still writing my own songs and I'm playing them any way I want. And that's basically the key to any success that I've had in my life. That's cool. Uh, you know, Tom, I, I was going to ask you about being a Hamiltonian and, you know, we've seen so much change in the city and, and, and how the city has been a part of your career. And I think you also answered that question as well. I mean, you talked about taking the bus downtown, the HSR, all, all this, the Hamilton just seems to be uh, bred in you. And it's, it's such a part of, of who you are. Well, it, it's, it's such an important and inspiring city that when it came time to start writing, as I, as I got older and uh, I, I didn't write about, uh, you know, New Orleans or Memphis or Paris or Rome or, or uh, San Francisco, you know, I, I, I wrote about, uh, I wrote in colonial terms, uh, not colonial, colloquialism. So I'm sorry, not colonial at all. <laughs> uh, colloquial uh, terms as far as writing about characters and streets uh, where I grew up, because I felt that those stories were important. And I, and I know that, uh, you know, the music that's come out of Hamilton, uh, not only by, uh, you know, the people that we know, you know, like, uh, well, you know, crowbars and the teenage heads and, and, uh, you know, uh, um, the Arkells, et cetera, all, all wonderful. But the music that happened in the city and that was inspired by Hamilton, uh, as an example, uh, it's only make believe by Conway Twitty that was written in Hamilton, Ontario. It's like one of the legendary country songs of all time. One of the most beautiful songs, you know, uh, give me just a little more time by, uh, by chairman of the board, you know, it's Harrison Kennedy from Hamilton, mm -hmm. Ontario. Give me just a little more time <laughs> and our love will surely grow. When you and I were young, Maggie, that famous Scottish love song, if you went to Scotland and you asked anybody where that song was from, they'd say, oh, it's from the Highlands or it's from this hill over here. That was written in this village. Uh, it's actually written on the Hamilton Escarpment. You know what I mean? Oh, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so there's this long, long history of, of fantastic music that's come out of this city that isn't isn't necessarily inspired by the city itself. But for me, I was inspired by not only those musicians and those characters, but uh, also uh, I wanted to uh, build a legacy about Hamilton streets. As an example. For when the first Junk House record came out in 93 or 94, we were over in Germany touring and I was being interviewed by Rolling Stone magazine. And um, the interviewer was saying, uh, can you tell me about the Skyway Bridge? Hmm. And can you tell me about the THB railway line? And what is an escar Hamilton escarpment? And what is, what, tell me about Burlington Street? And it was, there was this romance that when uh, when you write about your home and you write about the things uh, that you see around you in, in, in your day-to-day -day life, that when they're transformed, you know, over an ocean, when they're sent 
you know, thousands of miles away. There's a romance that's attached to it. It's the same way as when we listen to Van Morrison sing about Cypress Avenue, how, how just engaged we are and, and the imagery of Cypress Avenue. Now, I don't know what Cypress Avenue looks like. It could be, you know, a crappy little street in Dublin. I don't know. <laughs> but to me, there's all this beautiful romance in it. And I kind of like that this guy from this magazine in Germany asked about those things because I never got asked about those things in Hamilton. The only guy who said thank you for writing about our hometown on your junk house record was the guy playing guitar in front of the beer store on Dundurn <laughs> Street. That was it. He was the only person that ever acknowledged. I think that was me, that, actually. Uh, I, I might have been that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So, Tom, you know, you talk about your songwriting and, and the, I mean, I don't even know how many songs you've written. The the catalog is so vast. And some of your work has been used by, uh, I mean, Billy Ray Cyrus, Colin James, George Thorogood, uh, so, so many more. How do you find yourself as a songwriter for others? And, and what does it mean to you when you suddenly hear these other artists that are playing your work? Um. Well, uh, I usually wonder if I'm going to be able to afford that dishwasher I was talking about <laughs> earlier. Uh, you know, uh, well, it, it's it's a real compliment and a real honor. And a lot of the times I've written with the people, uh, Marie McLaughlin, you know, yeah. Jimmy Rankin. I wrote for the Rankin family with yeah. him. I mean, I wrote a song. Uh, I've written with, been writing with Colin James since 1996. So I've been writing song a lot of songs for him. And one of them that we were writing, as an example, um, he was really into Lucinda Williams. And I said, well, let's write a song like Lucinda Williams would sing, right? And uh, we wrote this song uh, called If I Can't Have You, literally wrote it in about the same amount of time as it took us for, to sing it, maybe four, wow. five minutes it really took us to write it. We banged it right out. I said, oh my God, this song is great. I can hear Lucinda singing this. And he said, uh, nah. I don't think this is this isn't a Lucinda Williams song. There's no way she would ever sing anything like this. And so we kind of packed it away. Then years later, Blackie and the Rodeo Kings were making Kings and Queens record with, uh, you know, Roseanne Cash and and uh, Lucinda Williams, you know, and uh, Patty Skyalpha, Bruce Springsteen's wife. And um, the song came up, and Lucinda said, "I love this song." This is like, like something I would write. Let's sing this together. So we actually sang that song together. So I, I kind of, I kind of gloated a little bit. I said, nice. "See, Colin, you see." It, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, just shift gears uh, a little bit, but it, it's 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 all connected, I'm sure. Um, talking about your exploration of visual arts, you know, you're talking about uh, working on an art installation right now, and you know, kind of joking, maybe not about. Uh, you know, having that curator and, and working on the, the visual arts. Has this always kind of been something that's been a part of your career? And does it does it parallel the music? Or are they really kind of two separate paths that you explore? Well, it's a it's a funny thing. It's a, it's a good question. And I thank you for this, because uh, I lecture at uh, colleges and universities and, and uh, various conferences and things about the creative process and how it's all just it's all just one energy. It's just how you dis- how you decide to transfer that energy. And listen, I know you guys are thinking I'm talking like a hippie, okay? <laughs> um, you know, you know that I'm from Hamilton, Ontario. I'm all about coffee and cigarettes, okay? I'm not really <laughs> a hippie, but I truly believe that um, the creative 
energy that we put out can be put into writing plays, acting, dancing, mm-hmm. uh, all that, all that stuff. Oh, by the way, all that stuff, that creative energy is naturally in us, every one of us. So when we're working as artists, we're trying to capture that. And do you know where that started? That started before any of us went to school. They start, it started when we were two, three, four mm-hmm. years old. Uh, we all made up songs and sang them. We all made up stories and told them freely. We danced and we created art, drew pictures and painted pictures without any inhibition. We were, we are all born artists. The fact of the matter is, is that unfortunately we walk through the doors of, of uh, the education system and um, we start to lose that confidence, that natural ability in ourselves. And um, if, if you do, if, you know, people who are listening or are, are working, writing songs or books or painting, whatever it is, they probably recognize this or maybe they don't. But I mean, really, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get back to that three or four year old self that we lost along the way. I love that. I, and I, I can relate to everything that you just said. I was the same way. Uh, I, I went to school for music and uh, the prescribed method of this is how you play. This is what you play. It it yeah. took a lot of that joy out of it for me. And once I really took a step back from the educational world and got into just exploring my own music, uh, yeah, I, I felt so reconnected to everything about music and storytelling. And uh, so I, I love what you're saying. And I, I want to dip into some of your you know, I, I believe fully that you you definitely are a storyteller through your music. And uh, I, I want to go to Lee Harvey Osmond, 2009, A Quiet Evil. Uh, we uh-huh. are introduced to some of your Mohawk heritage through these themes uh, and land rights and uh, the content matter. And so now fast forward to 2019 and your Mohawk album. So h- how has learning of your cultural heritage uh, and, and fully leaning in and embracing it influenced the course of your career? Um, well, uh, I, I managed to get through 53 years of my life without feeling identity, um, which is, uh, something that I think most of, most of the world takes for granted. Uh, but it's basically a cornerstone of our being, um, identity is so important. And when you question your identity or you're not sure really where you're from, or you're not told you know, where you're from or your heritage or where you're, who your mother and father are. I mean, that is a, a symptom of uh, uh, many, many adopted people uh, in this world. You know, I talk to a lot of them. So identity has really changed things for me in the last eight years. I'm 61 now. And uh, with that identity now, uh, all of a sudden, that creative energy that I'm talking about, all of a sudden it has a purpose and it has a goal. And that goal is to honor uh, the Mohawk culture, um, to embrace uh, my own being. And uh, I feel that through my art and the next book that I'm writing, Blood Memory, and the music that I write and uh, the art that I create, of course, uh, is is going to bring me closer to that culture because I didn't grow up um, Mohawk. People ask me, they say, so Tom, how does it feel to be a Mohawk? They asked me that question like I just hopped a fence and landed in a reserve. You know what I mean? It's like I actually, uh, I'm just being introduced to my family in the last eight years. 
I am uh, recognizing, uh, you know, the place, the reserve mm-hmm. uh, that my family's from, Ganawake, has been uh, a mystery, a burning mystery in my dreams all my life. Uh, and now I'm able to uh, honor that. So my job is not to bang on my chest and uh, scream out that I'm a Mohawk, but rather to continue to honor the culture and bring it into uh, bring it into the light where it belongs. Beautiful, beautiful. Awesome, uh, awesome response to that. I actually got a couple of goosebumps when you were you were saying that. That's really cool. Um, So, Tom, uh, nobody's gigging these days. Uh, We're living in a COVID world. Um, Thankfully, there's a a little taste of this coming out. I think just um, recently you you were part of the uh, rooftop series with uh, our good buddy Tim at Supercrawl. Yeah. So what what's it like to to get out and, and play again and, and what's what's kind of the the, the musical plan for you uh, in the immediate future? Well, um, I've got I've, I've had the opportunity to get out and do a few things to tell you the truth and and one of them um, one of them was a, a theater show for um, uh, in in St. Catharines, Ontario, at First Ontario Place, and they kept the contract and they just had the band. They uh, hired Lee Harvey Osmond, and we came in and we performed with a full crew on a beautiful stage. Our dressing room had all our uh, usual dressing room stuff, and uh, we went out and played for an empty theater, and it was broadcast uh, on the internet. So that was that was actually a pretty cool experience, to tell you the truth. I like that, you know. And I've had I've had the opportunity also to do a few. Um, private functions, you know, for, uh, wealthy people with beautiful backyards, you know, are, are really cool and have put together music because they know that they, uh, their friends and themselves are, are people are in desperate need to hear music. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, uh, I didn't really recognize, uh, how important that, that part of our lives were until it goes away. You know what I mean? So I've had that and doing, doing super crawl event last year that was really cool uh, last last week it was actually mm-hmm. it was really cool it was on on top of a uh the uh, i guess parkade right yeah, by the library yeah. <laughs> and uh it was a really cool venue i mean it would be it would have been a lot cooler if we would have put a thousand couple thousand people up there um and it would have been cool if we didn't play with plexiglass in front of us but it was <laughs> yeah. great the, the interaction you forget how important the interaction is between um, between musicians, myself and uh, the guys I play with. So uh, that was pretty great. And last uh, last Saturday, I went out and played on the Six Nations for the Landkeepers, um, who are holding down uh, holding down the fort on mm-hmm. uh, Mohawk land there in Caledonia. Mm-hmm. Wow! So you're you're finding ways to keep busy. That's good. Oh my God! You know what? <laughs> I I. Uh, <laughs> I just uh, we're just installing this um, uh, show, this art exhibit of mine, Mohawk Warriors, Hunters, and Chiefs, here at the uh, Grimsby Art Gallery, public art gallery that opens on Sunday. So uh, I had to, I, I've been painting shows. I've done two exhibits. I'm writing a second book. Wow. Um, we are uh, a play for the book is uh, going to start being produced next month when it's going to be able to actually hit the stage. We don't know, but it's been picked up by theater Aquarius. Oh, nice. And, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, going to be, uh, I'm just starting to write a, uh, a TV show that's, uh, been accepted by, uh, a major producer, film producer. And I'm, I'm going to be working with, uh, Mike short on that, uh, wow. writing that Mike short, who 
Rochitz Creek and uh, whose brother is Martin Short, of course. And Mike yeah. Mike Short is also a fantastic piano player who who played back in the day, you know, back in uh, probably ten years before. I got out and stole that guitar, you know. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's all extremely exciting. And you mentioned you're writing a second book. And I, I want I to ask you about your first one, your memoirs, Beautiful Scars, Steel Town Secrets, uh-huh. Mohawk Skywalkers, and The Road Home. What compelled you to want to capture your unique journey in that particular medium? Money. <laughs> hey, they, there's no uh there's nothing wrong with that response at all <laughs> i never <laughs> oh, i love it i i am uh i'm obviously joking somewhat um uh well um i never thought about writing a book i got asked to write a book you know so uh it was like uh, boy you know have i ever had an interesting life I'm going to write a book because everybody wants to know about me. That wasn't really what the, uh, the job was. It was, I actually went on, I found out that I was adopted eight years ago when I was yeah. 53. I found out that Bunny and George Wilson were actually my great aunt and uncle. I found out that I'm not a big puffy, sweaty Irish guy. I'm actually a <laughs> Mohawk. And, uh, and I found out that uh, I was driving my cousin Janie home. He was like the matriarch of our family. Um, she sits at the head of the table for Easter and Thanksgiving and Christmas, all the kids' birthday parties, my grandson's birthday parties. And I was driving her home from one of my grandson's birthday parties. And I said, Janie, I just found out a couple of weeks ago that mom and dad aren't, weren't really my mom and dad. And I know you're really friends with them and close with them. And if you ever remember anything, can you please tell me? And my cousin Janie turned to me in the car and said, Tom, I don't know how to tell you this, and I hope you forgive me, but I'm your mother. Wow. So that that is what, uh, uh, that was a story that I took onto the CDC. Now, the fact that I was, uh, I was uh, an indigenous kid uh, from Ganawake, born in Hamilton, but uh, all of my family is from Ganawake. Um, the fact that I was kept from me for 53 years uh, that was a real thing, man. Yeah. I mean, to have to have everybody that you trust in your life, your entire family. And by the way, Bunny and George Wilson had hearts of gold, and they were really good people. Yeah. George Wilson was blinded in the Second World War. He was a war hero. Mm-hmm. These people really threw down for me. But still, the secret was kept from me. So I went on CBC uh, radio, uh, definitely not the opera. <laughs> Suki and Lee, and they uh, they said, uh, okay, uh, the storyteller show, right? Said, yeah, okay, yeah. Tom Wilson on the show, and the uh, story you have to tell is you meet a complete stranger, and they change your life. And I found out about this through a complete stranger, and I told this story on CBC um, to millions of, oh, I mean, CBC, hundreds of people. And um, <laughs> I, um, I, I had an anxiety attack right after, because I know that, like, I'm a CBC listener. Um, I know how many people actually do listen to that radio mm-hmm. station. And I had just told a lifelong family secret, a secret that was kept from me. I just broadcast across the country and around the world. And I, I felt terrible. I didn't know what I had done. And then a week later, I got a call from Penguin Random House Books. And they said, well, we heard you on CBC. And uh, would you ever consider writing a book? And I said, hell no, that sounds like way too much work. <laughs> yeah. They said, well, we are coming for a meeting. And uh, and I said, sure, I'm a musician. I'm not doing anything. I got to <laughs> come in for a meeting. And they had, uh, I talked to them in the, in the 
down to the big boardroom at Penguin Random House, right? They had this carafe of coffee and this giant pyramid of donuts. And I was drinking the coffee and eating the donuts. And I had my winter coat on. I was getting really sweaty. And <laughs> my arms were waving around in the air at 10 in the morning. And I talked, I talked until 12 noon. I talked constantly for two hours. And at, the, at around noon, after two hours of completely obliterating the room with my thoughts, they said, well, <laughs> we've never met anyone like you before. Um, we'd like you to be a writer with Penguin Random House. And that's uh, basically what got the wheels rolling. And, and uh, uh, I guess what made me become um, what they like to say, a best-selling author, I guess, you know. Wow, uh, yeah, but it yeah. was, I, comple- I completely just uh, tripped and fell over myself and, uh, and somehow managed to uh, write this book. And now I'm doing more tripping and falling and, and writing the second book now. <laughs> I love it. So we know we know music, uh, Tom is is all about connecting with people. You know, you 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 said earlier about you realized how important it is to be connecting with the audience and with your fellow bandmates. And after a time of not doing that, um, getting some some new music uh, back in your life, getting out and playing live whenever it's you know safe to do so on a on a larger scale. What's uh what's in your sights? Where where would you love to play? What would you love to do? I mean, of course, Sound of Music, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of well, course. Sound of Music, of course. This week, uh, this week I would have been flying to San Francisco to play in uh, Golden Gate Park. Wow! For this giant, for the Hardly Strictly Music Festival, um, which is a giant festival with about half a million people that attend it. Uh, you know, when there's not COVID, um. So I, that's where I would have been going. I would have been leaving uh, probably on Thursday to go and, and play that show with Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. But Blackie and the Rodeo Kings, we were celebrating our 25th year together, and we put out a record with Warner Brothers to celebrate that. And uh, we got to do five shows, and then uh, we all went home. That was it. We lost out on uh, uh, well, uh, basically everything that we had contracted, just technically all comes back to us. So Live Nation was doing the Canadian tour, which was now scheduled for 2021 in November. Uh, things like Shrewsbury uh, in England, that giant festival in Denmark, and for me, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and mm. my show at uh, the University in Dublin, my reading, all that's being scheduled for next year. So I'm keeping myself busy with all these other projects, right? Um, do I miss... Do I miss getting on planes and living in hotels and standing around in dressing rooms for hours? No, I do not. Um, do I miss being on stage and having that uh, moment and that ability to be able to tell a story and have it resonate with people? Yes, I do, because I, I don't feel that what I am singing or saying is the most important thing in the world, but I think that it is helping move the ball in the right direction to make this a more peaceful place to live. Absolutely. I, I think we can all agree with that. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've been chatting here with three-time Juno Award winner. Uh, oh, wait, just... oh, hold on. Oh, oh. Uh, it's actually five times. Is it five? <laughs> yeah. Well, gee, somebody, I'm going to fire the fact checker. Oh, they, that's me. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Is it five? I'm sorry. Where did? How did I miss two of them? Wow, I'm really bad at my job, Tom. That's okay. You know what? You know what? We we all we all we all miss things. You know it's okay. But I mean, you know what? You're gonna have to hire Daniel Dale to get the facts. I think so. There you go. Well, okay. Well, we've been talking with five time. I'll just edit back and I'll like edit over myself saying five, (laughs) and then no one will know I messed that up. Uh, What what else? Uh, Singer, songwriter. uh, It sounds like playwright. 
author, artist, guitar thief, and Mohawk man, yeah. uh, Tom Wilson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, look, Tom, we, we sure do appreciate your time. We've uh, we've actually run longer than we said we we're going to keep you for, but everything you just said was was just so captivating and interesting that I refused to push the stop button. So thank you <laughs> oh, for giving thanks, us that guys. extra time. I, I, that was really cool. I, I, I really appreciate you being interested in me, and, and uh, thanks for the time. Of great, course, likewise. Likewise, yeah. and uh, best of luck with that art installation. And uh, I'm sure we are going to see you real soon at the Sound of Music Festival uh, once really the apocalypse hope so. I love, is over. I, I know that a fest. It's an important festival for uh, not only for the musicians and for, but it's for the community. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, you guys really knock it out of the park and you make an event that uh, we can all go and enjoy. Oh, well, thank you so much. All right. We will yeah, let man. you get back on your all way. Right. Thanks again, Tom. Thanks, Thanks Tom. Guys. All right. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. There was our discussion uh, with Mr. Tom Wilson five times. I, how did I? Th- I thought he went three. How? I, geez. I got to, I have to like send him flowers or something now. <laughs> Um, send him a guitar. <laughs> send him a guitar. I think he owes a guitar shop out there somewhere a guitar. Actually, that's a great story of yeah, stealing a guitar on a fake ID. The best part about that story, though, is it's like the most honest theft. You know, like yes, he did it with a fake ID, and you know he he didn't go back and he didn't fulfill his obligation, but he still sat through like the equivalent of like a timeshare sales pitch to get this guitar. <laughs> Like, he didn't yeah. just, like, steal it off the street. He still went and sat through the seminar and then took it. And I love that. I love that he still put in the time. That's the best part of that story. <laughs> so true. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was that was very cool. And, uh, you know, hearing his stories and his journey. And I look forward to that second book for sure. Um, yeah, it is uh, it is so weird, you know, everybody being so isolated and he did play that rooftop show to a, uh, you know, on top of a parking garage, and it's just I, we. Everyone's just so desperate for the world to get back to normal. Even now, you know, we're rolling up on Thanksgiving, and and they're telling us we likely can't get together with our loved ones. Like maybe we can, but maybe we can't. And you yeah. know, I, and I love yeah. Thanksgiving. Like I look forward to. I look forward to any excuse to eat a copious amount of food where I'm not being judged. Indeed. Yeah. And I mean, and I'm Ukrainian, so I go full blown pierogies and cabbage rolls and, you know, everything. It's just carbs on top of carbs with some gravy on top of those. Yeah. Turkey sweats, right? Turkey Turkey sweats. sweats. Listen, uh, I want you to I want you to research this if you've never done it before. But you ever done a deep fried turkey? No, I've I've always wanted to. and but and I mean and I like I used to be a chef like cooking is a thing I love to do but it it terrifies me like I have a smoker I have a barbecue I have all that stuff but a deep fryer for a turkey I will do burn down the neighbor hey look the California wildfire started through a gender reveal party I will start the Southern Ontario wildfires by trying to deep fry a turkey please don't I will deep fry the turkey okay. and get you over when it's safe to do so like of course. I have this image and I'm sure I'm wrong like I've never had it I've never even seen it it's like this mythical beast to me and I'm just picturing like a massive piece of KFC coming out of a bucket like what no sir it <laughs> is <know>. moist <laughs> it is yummy yeah, so it's not because you're yeah you're not like buttermilk and then flour breading and but that's what I picture. I just picture this like twenty pound hunk of KFC coming out of hot oil, which 
frankly, I would eat. That just sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Enough so about turkeys. All right. But let's talk about community as we close. You know, what? one of the things that I really loved was, you know, uh, he was very gracious in his compliments about Sound of Music mm-hmm. and, um, you know, what, what, we're, what we're continuing to try and, and do with that festival. And I think he really... He nailed it, right? Yeah, it's for it's for the artists, it's for the it's for the performers, but it's for the community. Yeah, and um, I think it's pretty cool that uh, we've been able to build this little podcast community here, and uh, back to where we started a year later. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and and you know that uh, as Brent and I both know quite quite intimately, one of the directions that we are moving the entire organization in is one which truly focuses on community year round. And, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago from the time this recording is released, you know, we were able to, to announce the Mike Taylor bursary, uh, honoring Mike beard guy Taylor from walk off the earth. And, you know, it's, it's a way that we can help support a young person in pursuing their careers and pursuing their education. And, uh, you know, you're going to see so many more initiatives like that come out of this, this organization that I won't say this festival, because that's what we are trying to do here is, is evolve, uh, and transcend being that 10 day festival and being something that is truly just a pillar of the arts and cultural community, uh, and, and, and give back in every way that we possibly can. So, you know, well said. Yeah, and, and just a, a big thank you to everybody who continues to support us. Uh, thank you. One year later, we're we're at uh, I think the last time I checked, we were around two thousand followers on this podcast, um, which is amazing. I, I think when Brent and I started this, we were like, you know, my dad will listen, and maybe well, Brent's wife was actually one of I think our first uh, our first follower was Brent's wife. I think she was. Yeah, I think she was. <laughs> yeah. So you know we. Uh, we've exceeded all expectations and that's because of everybody who listens and supports us. And we, we thank you for it. Yeah. 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 I think we've, we've got some uh, interesting conversations coming up uh, soon and hope everybody keeps tuning in. Absolutely. Stay safe out there. And uh, thanks everyone. This has been a Psalm session and I'm miles and over there is I'm Brent. There he is. All right. Take care everyone. Bye-bye.